Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com. And here with me to celebrate yet another victory in the 49ers season uh, is Mr. Chris Wilson, another contributor. Chris, how are you doing uh, today? I'm doing fantastic. This was not a ho hum victory, this was a glorious 37 to 8 win over the Green Bay Packers that have caused me much pain over the years. And we now live in a world where Eric Armstead has 10 sacks. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I could, I, I perhaps I was hit by a, a bus before the season started. I, I don't know. I don't know because it's some kind of fancy land that I'm living in right now. Some sort of weird, like sliding doors moment or something. I don't know what happened, yeah. but I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, yeah, so as you noted, the um, San Francisco 49ers, uh, Victor's a uh, veritable, and I'm borrowing this from other places that I've seen. I think the, the 49ers uh, Twitter account even uh, posted the uh, the shredded uh, meme where they had the 49ers with a bunch of cheese shredders, uh, <laughs> which I thought was very fun. Uh, they shredded the Green Bay Packers Sunday Night Football 37-8. to um, I was really hoping we were going to get to 40 because it was looking like we were going to average 10 points per quarter, which was going to be great. Uh, 37 to eight. Um, it probably actually should have been a shutout. Thank you referees who saw a bunch of things happening that weren't really happening. Um, but anyway, it, it, it that, that feels, <laughs> that feels, uh, supremely, uh, uh, stupid to say when we won by 37 to eight score. Oh, I was uh, angry. I don't know about you, but I was like, stop, stop calling. I, I mean, I really, calls. like, give me a break. I really, I was because I mean, the shutout would have been really nice. And the fact that they stopped them, you know, four times on that drive, uh, and should have gotten off the field. And it just felt like they were not being allowed to get off the field for whatever reason. But I anyway. think the NBC producer there probably has uh, a mic in the, uh, the, the head officials here <laughs> being like, Chris, what, what's that? 
It's Chris Collinsworth. Oh, oh, oh. He's, he's calling directly down. <laughs> I, I thought you were just calling me Chris out to stop talking because I no, no. already went off no, the rails. No, 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 no. no like not two yet. minutes in. Um, <laughs> oh, that's coming, baby. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just wait for it. Uh, so, yeah, so the, the game began as it has often this season with the defense making a big play. Um, it actually has been a little while since the 49ers defense has gotten off to a good start. So it was nice to see that on the fifth play of the game, uh, the 49ers forced a fumble uh, from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Nick Bosa picked it up, took it back to the two. Would have been really nice if he had just scored. The 49ers scored on the uh, very first offensive play of the game. Um, you know, so if if you want to talk about number, how uh, total yards can be a little bit deceiving sometimes from the offense, uh, there's a pretty good example. If you start a drive, your first drive from the two, your total yard is just probably going to be significantly lower than it would have. Um, but they took a lead, seven nothing, and they would not relinquish that lead for the rest of the game as they scored pretty much all of their points straight in a row before the Packers scored their one touchdown. Um, another dominant defensive performance. Uh, the unit held the for the Packers offense to under 200 yards of total offense. I, I'm being kind there. It was 198, but it's technically under 200, but you know, it's close. Um, but my favorite number of course is the 81 yards that Aaron Rodgers managed through the air. And I think some of that was On not one play or, or the, no, in the whole game, in the, the whole game, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's, that's wow. pretty, pretty bad. Um, not Jordan. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. 1.9 yards per pass. Uh, and I actually, you know what? I think as I'm thinking about it, that was their team statistic uh, <laughs> was 81 yards in the air, 1.9 yards per pass. I think his numbers were actually slightly lower because if I'm not mistaken, their backup quarterback came in and made a couple of uh, a couple of plays late in the game. Uh, yeah, I think he was like three for four or something like that. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers officially 20 for 33 for 104 yards, but he lost 38 yards on on sacks. Um, So he was even lower than 81. 81 was their total team uh, (laughs) yards with a 3.2 average. Tim Boyle, 3 for 4, 15 yards. Tim Boyle is the future. Packers fans. Um, There were uh, certainly things to clean up from this game. It wasn't a perfect game from the 49ers. um, And it to me, it's kind of crazy to think like if they had done a couple of other things more efficiently, uh, as we'll talk about a little bit later, how much more of a blowout this would have been. Um, it's, uh, I, I, but I think the most important thing is the 49ers have uh, pretty much set themselves apart from the rest of the NFC. Uh, right now, it kind of seems like they're at the top with you know the Saints and the Seahawks kind of nipping at their heels. Uh, but I don't see any reason to think that the the Packers are quite up to their level, at least uh, for 2019. Chris, uh, what thoughts do you have? We discussed a little bit of it previously in the week, and this is an early podcast uh, in the week, thanks to the holiday in a couple of days. So we've yep. been able to listen to a handful of podcasts and, and all the talking heads and read a handful of articles on the game. But the media wasted no time letting us know what we quote-unquote learned from this blowout. If I had to summarize the overarching slash overreaching consensus, it's not really that the foreigners are good. It's just that the Green Bay Packers are really bad, which yeah. honestly, to me, I mean, it's obviously offensive because it's absurd. I mean, not the Green Bay Packers being bad because they were really bad. But, I mean, the 49ers, <laughs> yeah. they would have dominated just about anybody from the defensive side of the ball. But I don't mind the, the whole hardball, you know, we're the underdogs, nobody believes in us. You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't mind that as a tool to, to get your guys up and it's good bulletin board material. So, so I, I don't really mind that. But, I mean, teams are still team, – teams are definitely respecting the Niners. <laughs> but the uh, analysts are not really giving them their due – and uh, I really don't mind that. I get initially 
a little bit angry about it. And then I think, hey, this is actually a good thing because, I mean, it's true that we're not perfect and it's sort of an odd NFL year overall. There are things we need to shore up, obviously, and we are going to have to shore up some of those things on Sunday for sure. But at this point in the season, the 49ers are not getting the respect that they deserve. And I don't know if that's a we're still stuck in 2018 mindset or maybe it's remnants of the early season mantra that, oh, the Niners haven't played anybody good. But at this point in the season, the 49ers have the best record in the NFL, and they honestly really had to go out of their way not to be undefeated. And oh yeah, the 49ers play in the NFC West, which is the best division in the NFL, and it's not even close. So you know what I say? Keep it coming. And let's take it all the way up to the Super Bowl. Even after we win that, you can tell us that we're not that good. So it's fine with me. Yeah, for sure. I, I did hear somebody say that if, uh, when I was listening to something today, uh, that if it was a, it was, I, I know who it was, it was Bill Simmons, and he said that if it was a, oh no, it was a, sorry, it was Ryan Rossillo and, uh, and Chris Long, who are doing this this post uh, this uh, post game kind of recap thing every week, uh, and and Rosillo actually said that you know if if the Forty ers and Patriots got to the Super Bowl that that he would definitely have to take the Forty ers at this point because the they seem to be able to do the things well that the Patriots are struggling with this year, which is kind of a rare thing. But you know, hey, I'll take it. Um, as you say, disrespect all the way to to you know the Super Bowl seems just fine with me. Lots of good things to talk about in this game. Um, so I think we should, uh, if if you're good, we can move into the one up, one down section of. of I can tell you're shocked that I have I did go on for an hour and a half. So I'm trying to <laughs> you self control, self control. I, I appreciate it, yeah, everybody. Buddy. So, um, yeah, like I said, lots of good things to talk about um, for the Packers game. Um, for my up for the game, uh, I, there, you know, I, I could have given this to you know, probably a dozen players uh, on on Sunday, and I think you're going to note a couple of them. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jimmy Ward for my up for the game. Uh, he was just making plays all over the field. Uh, he had several uh, key pass breakups in the game and, and tackles uh, throughout the game that, that I, I think at, at places where they're, where him not doing so could have led to the Packers gaining some momentum and extending drives and that sort of thing. Um, he, he had one play in particular where Rogers had him sort of uh, fooled in the way that the, and, and it could have been a, a play the way the play call went as well. He was at a position initially and, and Aaron Rodgers saw it, but by the time he, the ball got there, Jimmy Ward had, had, had made up the ground and was on top of the, of, of the play and, and kind of stopped the drive there. He had a, a tackle at one point um, in the game on uh, I think Devontae Adams, where he stopped him short of the, of the first down marker on third down and forced them, the Packers into a, a fourth down uh, that I think they eventually got, but it was so late in the game. It didn't really matter, but um, yeah, finished with uh, six tackles um, had one tackle for loss that I think was, they ESPN gave him a half a tackle for loss, which is kind of interesting, but still nonetheless, uh, two pass breakups, um, including the one that I mentioned um, before uh, his PFF grade was considered elite uh, on the day. 91.4 overall, including a 90.4 in coverage an 80.6 tackling and a 71.1 run defense grade. Um, he, here's the thing about Jimmy Ward. I know that a lot of, a lot of people have talked about, you know, oh, you know, he needs to drink more milk. That was sort of the running joke with him for the last couple of years because he kept breaking <laughs> bones. You know, he's broken his collarbone like two or three times, yeah, you right? Yeah, collarbone or shoulder. 
I think since he's been with the with yeah, the he team. He used to be like a leg foot guy. He's always having some kind it's of like something. upper body injury. It's, it's odd. And he broke his broke his arm more than once. It just just has it's, it's he's had some bad luck. Um but I think the thing that people forget often is that he was a first round draft pick. And so he has been often considered, you know, at one point was considered talented enough to be a first round draft pick. Um, and I think one of the things that the team has also liked about him is his versatility, which has actually been to his detriment from time to time. Uh, but so far he has shown himself really capable at many times throughout this season of being the free safety that this defense needs. Um, and I think Sunday was the best uh, example of what he's capable of. Um, and he was just really outstanding uh, throughout the game and was, you know, a vital part of the 49ers holding up on that back, that back end. And just off, off the top of my head, I can't think of a game that he played better. He was all over the place. He's, he's making all the key plays on all the key downs. And this was the Jimmy Ward that the 49ers decided that they needed to keep. Right, exactly. And there's lots of criticism, and I understand like some of it was warranted. Do you really want to pay big money to a player who's more often than not going to end up on IR at the end of the year? But there's mm-hmm. no denying that when the kid's healthy, is an excellent football player, and when available, he can have an extreme impact on games, and he had an extreme impact on this game. If they had a different free safety out there, this game could have gone... Very, very differently, and it definitely wouldn't have gone as, as well as it did. I mean, he just made a couple of key plays where, where he needed to make the play to end a drive or dislodge a ball or knock a key pass away in a key situation, catching someone behind the line, and he made them on every play, and he was just excellent. So props to Jimmy Ward. I've always been a Ward fan. I've always felt bad every time he gets injured. And I don't think yeah. his joints and bones are made of silly string and sadness, like uh, Chris <laughs> Harris says of the injury-prone. Not only did Ward have a great game, but three 49ers were on PFF's Team of the Week. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Go right where you're going. You got this. Oh, oh, oh. oh very nice. Yeah, I'm not sure if we actually scripted this. How could we be? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, George Kittle, who is... What's a good adjective for Kittle? Amazing, incredible. Yeah, those are two. The best tight end in football. Yeah. You know, these are things. These My things. spirit animal. I, I don't Potentially, know. yeah. That's not really an adjective, but... It is true. <laughs> but yeah, Kittle, broken bone, doesn't care. And I still don't understand what happened with his knee. Shanahan was trying to explain it, and I might need to see a doctor just to understand. Like, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not yeah, a doctor. Was something shaved off the back of his knee. I don't know. I'm not going to ask questions. Just keep him in the game until the game's over. Actually, check that. Once the game is out of reach, take your injured players out of the game. That, that was one thing that I was beefing with Shanahan, but then Shanahan did it. So I really like the way that Shanahan listened to everything I said. Every week we're getting more evidence that Shanahan's a avid listener. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Shanahan. So we have Kittle, who is the top player in the NFL per PFF. And now even Collinsworth, who is like a huge 49er hater after what we did to him in his career. 30-something and years maybe ago. Maybe it's his involvement with PFF, but he's finally coming around to trying at least attempting to be more objective. And he, he actually has the kind of things to say. I'm like, what's going on here? Although I do need to admit that I got a good laugh out of Collinsworth trying to break down Debo's 42-yard touchdown, calling it a, quote, simple dig route. I mean, if you want to get lazy and call it some type of cross, okay, whatever. Or you want to call it a five-yard slant because there was an error route behind it, which is a pretty good indicator that it was, and even better. Don't call every in-breaking route from a slot receiver a dig route. 
and certainly don't call it a simple dig route. It's sort of confusing since he was a wide receiver, but whatever. Maybe they didn't have dig routes back in the 1920s or whatever you played. <laughs> no, I like you now, Chris, even though you spell your name wrong. You're coming around, so I don't want to offend you. So I take it back, I take it back. I have to cut that out. So we have Kittle, we got Ward, and then actually the top defender, PFF grade-wise, for what that's worth, was a linebacker, Fred Warner, with a 92.1 rating by PFF. Yeah, he was my other choice. But if I was gonna, if I didn't go Ward, I was going to go Warner. since so. you're such a nice guy, you decided to take um, you know, the other guy and then, and then give me better performer of the two. And I, I might just talk about Warner just a little bit. I should have it right now. But first of all, <laughs> I felt that Warner was really disrespected last year by PFF, and I think PFF has a problem with the way they grade a handful of positions. I think one of those is the center position, which I feel like they just can't get right, because if center doesn't block anybody because he misreads the defense, they never penalize him for it ratings-wise. So if he just stands there, or just like sits down and like takes a nap, then he won't be penalized for not blocking anybody. So that's a totally different podcast. But I think they have a problem at the linebacker position. So here's your quiz for the day. And if you can get this right, I will give you my uh, my 49ers tickets for the rest of the season, unless you actually like look this up before. And then you know, you're a cheater, but you're not a cheater, so I know you wouldn't do that. You'll never, you'll yeah, never exactly. know. All right, so we'll take the four linebackers, the four primary linebackers that the 49ers use or have used over the course of the season. You know, Alexander, now Warner is the main guy with Greenlaw, and Elijah Lee is getting a lot of snaps. How would you rate those four players? Include in terms of like quality, personally, myself. It's a good question. Both, or or in terms of the way PFF is Both. doing it. Um, well, in terms of quality, myself, I would say Warner Alexander are you know one two, yeah. depending on what you're looking for. I think Warner is a little bit more of a more a. a more complete version of what Alexander is and then he's got the speed and the coverage ability but he also has the ability to sort of mix it up in the run game in a way that Alexander doesn't um and from there I would say um it's it it's a pick em on Green and or uh, sorry Greenlaw and Lee again I feel like neither they're both incomplete players in that Greenlaw is a better run player and and Lee is probably slightly more versatile in, in or slightly more useful as a as a uh, pass defender. Although, so I would probably say Warner, Alexander, Greenlaw, Lee. If I had to, if I had to say personally. Okay. So, what do you think PFF says? Um, I'm going to guess that they think that Elijah Lee is the <laughs> the best <laughs> the best linebacker at our team. Okay, this isn't starting well. <laughs> I want to keep my tickets. You're right. Correct. <laughs> Two. Um, Greenlaw would be their their next choice. Would be my was is what I'm going with. Is next. I'm in trouble. Okay, <laughs> three. Um, Alexander. Thank you. Whew, that was close. Because I, uh, I was. It was. I, I, it was. I, was gonna... I, I knew that Warner was really w- low rated by them, Ooh. and so I was. And Ooh, I think man. the. So it is Warner than Alexander, and I think the thing that's going to kill Alexander is the fact that he gets really bad tackling grades from them. Well, is that correct? Not just just Alexander, but Warner. Apparently, neither know how to tackle, which is like, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh man, I was so close. I know, and and I, I was I was thinking briefly about how to get out of that, and then I was like. I think I actually have to give him my ticket. Well, you probably would have gotten out of it because I would have been like, "There's no way I can use the rest of those tickets," so you're you're good. Yeah, and then you'd be selling <laughs> online for yeah, who knows how much. But I'm like, 
Oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. Or, or I just quit. I don't know. It'd have to be one of those things. So all those things pop through my head right there. But I was going to give them to you, even though I know you wouldn't accept them because you're, you're a good guy. So close. So yes. close. I mean, I was sweating there. I didn't think you shouldn't have sold it so hard. That was sort of dumb on my part, but, but whatever. Anyway, so. Yeah, it's green, all right. Green law. <laughs> yeah, I guess we just call him green. After you call him green, I'm just going to call him green, too. <laughs> well, it's kind of green and Lee. It's sort of like their names are yeah, way too close to each other. They are like one person. Yeah. <laughs> Even though uh, you know Lee doesn't have the number of snaps to qualify, he's currently ranked 15th in in the in the NFL per PFF. With, yeah, but what does he have? Like forty five snaps or something like that. It can't be that. The number can't be. I that think we have the, the fifth amount of snaps only because <laughs> I, I didn't want to embarrass linebacker number four because like he was pretty much like off the list. It was so bad, which which doesn't really make any sense to me. But I'll have to check to see exactly how many snaps he has, and maybe you can do that while I go on for you know the next half an hour about this or two minutes. But Green doesn't. <laughs> Lee, <laughs> you're forever like Rumi. It can't be undone now. I'm going to quit for the second time today. <laughs> so Lee, 15th in the NFL with a 74 uh, rating. Green Law, <laughs> one word, 17th. And, and he actually does qualify. So he, he's, he's the 17th best linebacker in the NFL in someone's world. And that world is Chris Collinsworth and PFFs so, with a 72 rating. Then we have Warner at 62 and Alexander with a 61 rating, and they rank 43rd and 46th. They need to redo the way that they they assess their linebackers. Because <laughs> I'm like, all right, so who are some of these other horrible linebackers that I know are horrible, who, who are like way above these guys? Like Kiko Alonso is a better run defender compared to Warner and, and Alexander. I mean, it was last year perhaps the worst run defender in the NFL. Just from a just like choosing the wrong hole on every single play, because I had to watch a lot of their games to try to learn about how to not to run the wide nine. And he was like the poster boy for just look what he's doing and just don't do that. <laughs> and I mean, he would make some tackles, and I guess the, the team switch maybe perhaps helped them a little bit. And Mayo, ah, <laughs> uh, good old our boy OJ David Mayo, not OJ Mayo. That's a yeah, different so guy. This is David Mayo. This is the special teams quote unquote ace that we dropped at the beginning of the season and i high-fived some people when we did because well first of all he, he always picks the wrong hole when he actually gets his hand like i think i've said it before when he actually gets his hands on a running back he tackles them and he's, he's pretty good at it and he's not bad on special teams like if he didn't have like 18 special teams aces then i think he would have been a good guy to to keep on the team but the problem is, is that, that he would have found his way onto the defense and we would not be the defense we are today if we had him on the field there's no way i mean he's, he just he's just too slow he can't pick the right hole but because he can't pick the right hole he never misses tackles so for some reason pff gives him high grades in like run defense i'm like what he just picks the wrong hole that, that there's no reason for him to pick he's just like i think this is the hole and he just hits that hole and there goes the running back, 50 yards on the field, and maybe get catch him. So they just need to fix that. Do you have a chance to look up Lee's numbers, or are you, are you just like, I don't care? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, he's at 41 defensive snaps, yeah. 109 total, uh, but 68 of those are special teams, uh, including and and this is <laughs> he played 10 snaps uh, between weeks 10 and 11 at slot corner, according to PFFs. 
<laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Um, Twenty-eight of they, they like, yeah. don't understand the the difference between an alley defender and a slot corner. I guess. I'm guessing that that all of his snaps have been in the same position. Maybe he was he was standing in front of a a wide receiver or something. Yeah, I don't probably know. a situation where they had motion and then they had that the uh, nine tech or the five tech went to the inside so that Lee went out to the alley. There was a, someone to cover out there and they decided that he was going to be a slot corner, but it does not make you a slot corner. That makes you a linebacker who's moving in the apex. So you're able to uh, defend against the run on the outside and then you know, perhaps uh, pass on the inside. So that's not good for PFF. So step it up. Okay. Last PFF complaint. Okay. Why is Mitch the worst punter in the NFL? Because they hate Australians. <laughs> oh, we we need to talk to our Niner Noise boy, uh, Jeremy, but he might not like that. I'm guessing. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. What what could it possibly have to do with? Um, I'm guessing it has something to do with. I don't. I don't know. Sometimes the only thing I can think His is tackling that, is too great. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he hasn't had to tackle anybody since well, that. One hasn't game. had to because everyone's running out of bounds. Uh, I think everybody's afraid of him. The only thing I can think is that his his distance is sometimes shaky because it doesn't need to be long all the time. To- I don't know. I got nothing. All right. Well, <laughs> well, I looked with this app. So Mitch, my man, Mitch, and I have a love for Mitch because I wear his jersey every week. And we know, I'm not we know. superstitious, but yet I wear his jersey every week, even though I have a Garoppolo jersey. So maybe I am superstitious. A little, a little I, I do like launder my socks so i don't wear the same socks so it's, it's not that bad <laughs> i know people do that actually uh, <laughs> and it doesn't work um so don't do it psa the more you know hey this is nbc too right so yeah do, do, do. It's, it's all fitting together all right so mitch sixth in the nfl this year on net yards per punt seventh on return percentage you know by the return man obviously not by mitch although i wouldn't mind mitch returning That'd be well, great. Apparently, uh, Shane Hand last week said that CJ Beathard could return punt. So, you know, <laughs> happy kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so, if he can, boy. I'd rather have Mitch out there. So, third in the league in yards per return at 3.1 yeah. yards. 3.1 yards. Yeah, didn't the Packers have negative uh, punt? I think the Packers had negative punt return yards on That's Sunday. That's like not even uncommon. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of this does have to do with the 49ers punt unit, but. You know, the opinion is good, but it's not like some unbelievably elite, you know, squad. I mean, they're, they're throwing in like you know, crazy stuff, like what what they're doing with Goodwin two weeks ago, which I really like. To be honest, I mean, I, I have no complaints with that. I mean, throw in all those types of uh, of wrinkles, and and they threw in a couple wrinkles this time too, where they bring the, uh, the gunner defenders in to fake the blitz and that kind of stuff. But anyway, so nineteen punts inside the twenty, only two touchbacks. So, I mean, we're talking about a top 10 punter. Beyond a top in the league punter as a tackler. <laughs> and and I, I know that they hate penalties for some reason, and even that penalty. And I'm sure that he's been penalized by PFF for that penalty even more than he was on the field. I need to talk to someone over there. And maybe, I will, maybe I'll reach out to someone and, and ask them, like, what, what does the. Like, like <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Like, the, the stats don't, don't match up. So, anyway, those were not my ups. Those were me talking about yours. <laughs> how did we? I was going to say, how do we get into no, this conversation? How do we get into any, any conversation? Because I love hearing my voice. Chris is Chris is commandeering the podcast again. Everyone, it's right, okay. I'll try to stop. But because there were so many ups, my ups are actually going to be very short. It was the coaching because the players play great and the coaches coach very well. I mean, there, there were some issues. It's usually a good combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, again. 
It's just the uh, kind of analysis you, uh, you listen to the podcast for. So offense, run-pass ratio, Shanahan figured it out. It was you know, exactly what I asked him to do or, or, or commanded him to do on the last podcast. And, and on to, on so to, glad he's yeah, listening. Yeah, right, right. Actually, he might like shut down the podcast on that. So forget I said that, Shanahan. I love you. <laughs> As we know, I think I've said this on every, every podcast, yeah, the 49ers actually, the 49ers don't actually run the ball more than any other team in the NFL, thanks to the, the Ravens, I believe. And actually, we're maybe at the, the Titans are over there, too. So it, it's actually very close. They're, they're not you know way, way out there anymore. But... Yeah, oh. Historically, and by historically, I mean just the first 10 games or 11 games of the season. The 49ers on first down would normally run the ball at a very high rate, uh, higher than any other team in the NFL, despite the fact that they are successful passing the ball better than any, anyone else in the NFL, including a uh, yards per attempt of something like 9.4 yards an attempt. They sort of switched it up on first down this last game, I believe, after seen the last three games and the way that teams attack the Niners on you know, when they were on defense and the Niners are on offense. So instead of running the ball 60-plus you know, percent of the time, they threw the ball 66% of the time on first down. And shocking, it worked. 60% success rate, which is higher than their normal success rate. Second down, normally the Niners are about 50-50. This time they were 75% passing the ball again 60 percent success rate which is the reason why the 49ers didn't get into a lot of third downs in this game and which was good because they didn't convert any of them <laughs> until this like the last uh last drive and that that'll be down later so props to shanahan because he knew what was coming and he did a great job of game planning for it so thank you shanahan for not running the ball over and over and over and making me close my eyes and think bad Mariucci thoughts. Another fantastic move by him was A, me yelling at him for to please take school out of the game and put in Brunskill, and then him on the next drive taking out school and putting in Brunskill, even though apparently it wasn't his. I mean, it's it obviously his decision because he is the man. Again, if you're listening, Shane, I love you. Please don't shut down our podcast. Like we were complaining about, I mean, school is just getting owned left and right, and assistant offensive coordinator, he recognized that, and I guess the, I think Shanahan was sort of covering for school <laughs> by saying, oh, you know, we just we were sort of planning on you know cycling them in and out, because that's something you do on offense, you know, you, you don't want your offense alignment to gel. So, putting Brunskill, it was a totally different game from that point on. Brunskill's proven himself to be the better tackle on either side of the line at this point. And that's reflected in the stats, even at PFF, as much as I like them or hate them, depending on, on what stat I disagree with. <laughs> they also agree. They actually rank him very high as a, uh, as a tackle, uh, uh, you know, as the Niners' best offensive tackle, actually. So good job by Shanahan for listening to his, his guys and not being hard-headed and, and not letting Jimmy get killed. So defense, Sala, great job. And I rarely say that, but Salah, you did a fantastic job of attacking the weak points of the defensive line by blitzing, which you very rarely do, but you did it the right way. There's that one one scene where they showed, I think Rodgers had been sacked, and then they showed Rodgers look like he was about to cry on the third down, and he's, he's sort of hobbling his way back to the sideline, and it was just like, yes, this 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 is this is what we need, and, and Salah knew what to do, and he was, he was blitzing Warner, he was 
splits in obviously Kwan because he loves splits in Kwan for some reason. And then he also put Witherspoon and, and Eman in in the game in uh, in situations where the the Packers were in four or five wide receiver sets. So I just think yeah, he he just did a great job, and and I just was very proud of him. The two minute drill plus the four minute drill at the end of the first half was. I believe what really took this game from a competitive game to a blowout. Also helpful, the thing that really put the the uh, the game away in in my mind was the fact that the Packers took eight and a half minutes to score their touchdown. And that and that and and at that point it was over. Like well, I mean, that's what happens when, when when you stop them on third down at every time, and then on their mystery calls. So it's it, it takes you a long time to move down the field that way, as opposed to. 49ers yeah. are like, hey, we'll just score on first and second down. So I'm just yeah. move the ball. Well, and then they immediately scored, you know, <laughs> yeah. in 21 seconds yeah. after that. So those two, that two, the, the two swings in time of possession at that point, when they got it to 20 to eight, and you're like, oh, this isn't, uh, this is starting to feel like uh, Aaron Rodgers can do that thing again. And then it took them a long time. They had the ball for most of the third quarter and then turn around and score, you know, quickly. And at that point, the game was, was pretty much, uh, pretty much done. And the difference between the way they handled that time management was, was important. The way that they were just able to end the first half with those three straight scores in a situation where I was worried that, you know, it could be a one for one score. And then, then, you know, the way the Kittle just kittled yep. <laughs> and just ended it. This game is, is done. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, on to the downs, uh, which I don't really have a whole lot to add because my down is going to be Justin's school. Um, you know, I think they put him in there because they had to initially. Um, but it's pretty clear that uh, Daniel Brunskill is the uh, the better of the two options for the swing tackle. At, at this particular point, um, you know, school is already way ahead of where he should have been snap count wise for his rookie season. You know, he's a sixth round draft pick. I'm pretty sure uh, the preference would have been to have, you know, somebody else uh, handling that position um, and to have Justin school on the practice squad uh, for his rookie year. If at all option, if that, if that could have worked out, um, he had a 55.6 uh, PFF grade, which is the fourth lowest on the offense not offensive line, but offense total um, on 20 snaps. Um, he allowed one sack, one hit, two pressures, and he picked up one uh, penalty during the game. Um, so not good things. Um, like I said, this is certainly not what the 49ers expected to be doing with him when they picked him up in the sixth round. Um, uh, you know, Staley's injury, McGlinchey's injury, Sean Coleman's injury, you know, the first preseason game um, have all pushed him into uh, service a lot faster than anyone expected. Um, and you know, you got to give him props for stepping up because that was a difficult situation. Um, and you know, he did well enough, uh, during those middle games when both, uh, Staley and McGlinchey were out. But at this point, if Staley's going to continue to be out and signs seem to be pointing to, he should be ready to go for Sunday. Um, but it's kind of 50, 50 is what I believe Shanahan was saying, uh, yesterday. um, if Daniel Brunskill is the guy, then then I think that's the best option at this particular point. Um, and once uh, Staley is back, I'm pretty sure uh, leaving school on the on the sideline as they did for the uh, Seattle game is probably the way to go at this point. Totally agree, and I like school from a long term perspective. And 
I like the way that he, like Staley said, that when he found out that he was going to be the, the starting left tackle, that, you know, sitting down with Staley and working late into the night and you know, Staley's trying to teach him how to you know, block against certain guys. So, I mean, the, the guy wants to play and he has the physical skills to do so. He was a late round pick. You don't really expect a guy like that to be thrown into the situation that he was thrown in. I think he played it very well at first. They got some tape on him. He needs to fix those things. Those things are fixable. I think in the end he'll be serviceable at worst and perhaps a uh, a start in the future. So nothing negative about him, but he had to be taken out at that point because he was just getting Jimmy G killed, and we, we cannot allow that. We just can't allow that. It, it can't happen. We don't need any quarterback drama. Yep, for sure. I was going to pick the blocking too because the blocking wasn't very good. The one good thing about their blocking, being their, especially at the tackle position, being so bad is that Garoppolo really is moving around the pocket and negotiating it a lot better than he did in his first season, or I guess first half season and then second half season with or three games with the Niners. He, he definitely looks a little more Brady esque in there, where he's you know you know moving around and you know avoiding some of the pressure. So maybe there's you know, I guess. Once again, you know, making lemons into lemonade. So, so I have liked that. I mean, he has gotten himself into a little bit of trouble a couple of times. But yeah, blocking needs to, to step it up. Uh, and it, it did once we brought Brunskill in there. Like you said, there's not a lot of negative things to say here. One problem that they did have was on third down. They were three for nine on third downs in this game. Uh, the saving grace is that the Packers were one for 15 on third downs, I believe, and then one for three on fourth downs. And this is Aaron Rodgers. So Yes, one for yeah, those numbers are correct. I mean that's like unheard of, <laughs> basically. So yeah, so you know, they could have been even worse and they would have been fine. And those three versions I believe just came on the last drive where there's you know sort of marching down the field. So I looked at all of the third down attempts. And yeah. It wasn't as bad as it sounds when summarized. So the, the first one was a third and eighteen where they yeah with the Shanahan with the fumble thing calls that off the yeah, center when Shanahan calls that stupid screen to Kittle out of you know when Kittle motions into the backfield you know the one where I'm like I wonder where the ball's going oh it's to Kittle just watching the safeties and they they see him in uh, Kittle motion back to Garoppolo and they're just like well we know that where this ball's going and you know come on Shanahan like everybody knows where it's going like I called it I'm no expert at least. You don't think so? I think so. <laughs> but uh, but you know, if, if I if I can tell, then defenses can tell. So just stop doing it. I mean, like, do it do it in certain situations or fake it. I mean, you've done it so many times, and everyone knows it's coming. I'm sure you can devise something that's going to be a, a potential deep play for the Niners uh, that could actually help them on the uh, on the third day team, as opposed to getting two yards. So second one, third and five. Problem there is they were all they're in the red zone on the eleven. It was a poorly designed play. JG only had two receivers to throw to who were beyond the sticks. One of them slipped. Both of them were double covered, and he just basically sort of just threw the ball away. So, I mean, is that on him? I, I don't really think so. It was just a poorly called play, especially in 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 tight space. Third one, third and six. Immediate sack. <laughs> like they, there was some type of confusion on the line where my favorite center just blocked nobody, but didn't get faulted for it, so he didn't lose any uh, any, any blocking um, 
blocking points or blocking grades from from PFF there. But he blocked nobody, and then he both next to guy from the outside, and I mean Jimmy was sacked within an instant. So that's obviously not his fault. We have a third and thirty, Mostert running up the middle, give up a run, and we have a third and two. This is the one play where where it was potentially Grapple's fault, where he he tried to force the ball into Wilson, who's I don't have no idea why he's in the game it, in that situation, but he was I guess because he. We now figure we just throw the ball as hard as we want at his head and he'll just catch it. But he sort of tried to force it into him because, uh, you know, once again, Richburg's man was sort of foot forcing him, forcing Garoppolo back, and it wasn't much of a pocket. And if he had like another half of a second, Sanders was breaking open into the left side of the end zone for like the easiest touchdown you could possibly imagine because they dropped a. Um, an outside linebacker or a defensive end into coverage, and he didn't even see him. Like another half second, I'll throw it up on Twitter. And uh, like another half second, it would have been a touchdown, and unfortunately, it was a field goal. So after that, we had another third and twenty-five run up the middle for nothing, and then we had th- the three conversions. We had a, a born fourteen-yard reception on third and ten. We had Mostert leaking out after some fantastic blocking by the offensive line. On a third and four, he took it for 22. And then at the end of the game, we ran the ball to the middle on a third and two, and Coleman got five yards and, and moved, moved the stick. So it wasn't quite as bad as it sounds, but third and nine is not what the Niners have been doing this year. So I'd like to step that up. The only other down I have, and then I'm done, I promise, is what on earth is going on with ESPN's QBR? Nobody knows. It's, it's, it, I don't know. I looked it up, and they have formulas and, and everything. But it makes no sense. We sort of say quarterback rating, QBR, that's always been a thing. And then ESPN tried to take it as their own and made their like enhanced QBR and actually called it QBR instead of passer rating. So we'll grab those stats. Let's, let's take a look here. 14 to 20, 253, two touchdowns, three sacks, 26 for 26 yards, 12.7 yards per uh per attempt or per completion it was a 145.8 yes 145.8 uh traditional quarterback rating and somehow his qbr is 18.2 18.2 and that's out of 100 that's not out of (laughs) 18.3 and that that was his his raw qbr as as opposed to his total so yes i'm just like what's going on here so you know just looking up qbr and it's proprietary but they sort of know what it is and you know they they really value running plays but then i was just comparing him to some of the other players from that week and he compared extremely favorably to players who didn't run the ball and were horrible i mean just played horrendously and they just need need to redo their formula because like for example they take a a dot into consideration so you you throw this like perfect slant to debo he takes it for six you know you don't throw the ball very far i'm not sure how far the ball went in the air 10 yards or you throw a bomb to kittle and yeah the the a dot's a lot better you know a dot being the average depth of target but i mean no one's no one's covering it like i think i could have thrown that so how is that better like i couldn't have hit debo like who knows where that ball would have gone if I tried to throw it? But if you have killed that open, so it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, so just a couple of interesting <laughs> comparisons. He was in the, like the, the same area as Mason Rudolph, who was so bad he got pulled from the game and basically is just not the quarterback anymore. So that's the same as a quarterback <laughs> who throws for two touchdowns and a 145 quarterback rating. So I, I go farther up the list. Derek Carr. They scored three points. So I'm like, all right. He obviously can't, couldn't have had a very good game. I, I watched part of it, and he sure wasn't doing anything. Yeah. 
of his passes were completed. He threw for a grand total of 129 yards, 4.7 yards per attempt. <laughs> That's horrible. Zero touchdowns, one interception, 52.5 quarterback rating. And, and somehow he had a 41.9 QPR, ranking 14th in the week. Yeah. Like, what? And, and so I'm like, oh, God, he must run for like 50 yards. He had one run. It was like an 11-yard run. It just doesn't make any sense. ESPN, I know that you have people with PhDs who are helping you with this, but just you know, take either the computer that you're using or like the napkins that you're writing your equation off and just throw it away because you just need to do something with this because it's, it's a useless stat <laughs> at this point. It's absurd. And, There's yeah. no way that Mason Rudolph played the same game that Jimmy Grappler did this game. And there's no way that Derek Carr played the same game. And Derek Carr's compared to Mason Rudolph is like Joe Montana. And, and he didn't, and he played extremely poorly and he was nowhere near what Grappolo did this game. And Grappolo played 12.7 yeah. yards in attempt. Like what, what else do you want? Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, grinding my gears. I'm done. Done. Just to make you feel better. Yeah. Garoppolo sitting at 14th on the season for uh, with 56.2 uh, on that on that uh, number so far. All right, um, so we're gonna have to move somewhat quickly through the the last section here. Uh, the next game that we have is uh, the first of two. Uh, road games against two of the best teams in the NFL um, are traveling to Baltimore to take on the just scorching, mind-bendingly hot uh, Baltimore Ravens team. Um, so quick quick response to this question, uh, Chris. Um, I will not. <laughs> considering, I, I, I know, uh, considering how the 49ers defense has handled running quarterbacks so far this year, so we've had, you know, Murray twice and Wilson once, um, and given how well the Ravens are playing, is there anything the 49ers can do to win this game? <laughs> um, yes. Is that too short? No, that works. Oh, okay. Uh, so first... <laughs> We need to kidnap Lamar Jackson. I'm going to put that on you no, since no, you're you're right no, there. Don't, don't do that. Okay. Please, please do not do that. Seriously, don't, don't do okay. that. I'm just kidding. But, but the Niners cannot fall behind in this game. They cannot fall behind because the Ravens' offense, in some ways, is a, is very similar to the 49ers' offense in that they love to run the ball on early downs, and they're not as successful. In a lot of ways on early downs, but they love explosive plays. And Lamar Jackson is potentially the fastest player on the football field, and he can throw. So he's extremely dangerous. So you're going to see a lot of read option, which the 49ers have not been able to figure out how to protect against. You know, you're going up against Mark Roman, an OC that we're very familiar with. Greg, Greg Roman, not Mark Roman. Who's Mark Roman? Oh, oh, far Vikings. I thought I'd block that out of my mind. So, yeah, that, that's going to be night, nightmares. So, Greg Roman, who the 49ers are very familiar with through, uh, via the Harbaugh days and, you know, he run, 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 run guy that a lot of <laughs> Niner fans wanted to, to get rid of. But, but he's fantastic with running quarterbacks. He made Kaepernick into a serviceable, if not good, NFL quarterback for a brief amount of time before he lost every game that he started. But I'm not going to get into that. Then next he went to the Bills, and he uh, took the Bills quarterback. The Kevin Tech charges back up. Uh, Tyrod Taylor? Yes, thank you. Otherwise, I was just going to call him Ty God because, you know, that's what we call him. But 
Tyrod, or whatever he said his name was actually supposed to be pronounced as, but has Tyrod, yeah, yeah, something like that, or whatever from from Next. Yeah, but Ty God has he will always be known to me for winning me many many fantasy games, and he turned him from a not very good quarterback to a decent quarterback. So I mean, he is the running quarterback whisperer. So we need to stop them from running the ball and we need to stop them from running the ball by forcing them to pass the ball and we have to do that by scoring before they score because we cannot fall behind so the ravens have a an excellent offense and what has become a pretty good defense so they have they are currently ranked third overall per football outsiders and this is this something you're going to get into afterwards nope nope so they're ranked fifth pass and then obviously first run because they have a quarterback who runs for more yards than all of our running backs run, run for. So, I mean, they have a explosive player who is very hard to defend against. Whereas San Francisco, 16th overall, 13th pass, and then 21st run. But I'm not so concerned about the 21st run because that fluctuates so much because all those teams are so condensed. So on defense, uh, how, how do you beat Baltimore? Well, Baltimore is... 10th overall after this last week. They're shellacking of the Rams, which I was sort of rooting for them, just to knock the Rams out, because the Rams are done now, so we don't need to worry about them. So, and More or less, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I would rather them not have done what they did to them. Like I think he threw like 25% of his passes for touchdowns, or something crazy like that. Like He threw, he threw like 20 passes and 5 of them were touchdowns. So it's going to be pressing on our cornerbacks. Good thing we have uh, some healthy ones. I'd rather... Uh, you know Hollywood Brown might be lined up on the right side against Sherman. Then it's not going to be good. So they are tenth overall, third against the pass, and twenty fifth against the run. So that's the way you attack them is running the ball, and you attack them running the ball not by running it right off the bat, but by scoring touchdowns and then establishing a lead, and then forcing the Ravens to play from behind. Hopefully, you know, getting your hands on a slippery Jackson and either forcing him into a mistake or sacking him, and then attacking them with your running game. Whereas the Niners are second overall, and only because the Patriots are like competing with them for, to be like the most fantastic pass defense in the history of an NFL. You know, so, so the the Niners are technically second in the NFL per Football Outsiders DVOA with a negative forty one point three, which is insane. I mean, insane to the point where the Ravens are third and the Niners are second. So you expect those numbers to be similar. The, the, the Niners, negative 41.3. The Ravens, a very, very respectable, negative 10.7. So there's a 30.6 point difference in in those two numbers between the second best team and the third best team in past events. The difference between the second best team and the third best team is the same as the third best team and the Washington Redskins, <laughs> who are 26, the seventh worst team in the game against the pass. That's, so that's even really though sad. they're ranked third, they're not anywhere near what the... I mean, they're good. Believe me, they're good. They, they have a lot of talent, but they are not at the Niners' level of talent when the Niners are playing all, all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I I think I'd more or less agree with that. And they have uh, their defense has been getting a lot better, uh, especially since Marcus Peters has come over from the Rams, and he's creating trouble. I mean, we we already saw him once, and we're <laughs> we're greeted with here he is again. Um, 
I, I don't remember him being a major menace that that first game. Um, and I think we have enough. Um, you know, other than being an annoyance as he usually is, uh, I think we have enough offensive uh, talent um, to where we can move away from him if need be. Um, but that's a, a that's another thing. Um, so I, I'm going to agree with you in in a pretty fairly short uh, order. Um, yeah, the 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 trick is, and this seems really simplistic, is we have to be a lot better on offense than they are. And our defense has to do just enough because that seems to be in their two losses this year. Um, that seems to be the 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 way that it has gone for them. So they lost two games in a row. What was it? Weeks like three and four or something like that? Or no? F- yeah, uh, because they were two and two after they after they lost the second game. So you know they didn't get off to a great great start. They lost to the Chiefs thirty three twenty eight, but the score was not nearly as or the game was not really as close as the score was would would indicate the uh, the Chiefs scored twenty three points in the second quarter to jump off out to a huge lead. Patrick Mahomes was still sort of being Patrick Mahomes at that point. He was twenty seven of thirty seven for three seventy four and three touchdowns, um, and they were able to hold uh, Lamar Jackson in check on the ground who. Uh, Lamar was only eight carries for 46 yards. Um, so that was that game. The Browns, um, who were the other team to beat them, they beat them 40 to 25. Uh, and it was a close game at halftime, and it was actually tied at one point in the third quarter at 10 10. Um, and then the Browns just kind of steamrolled them throughout the much of the rest of the game. They only got it as close as uh 24, 18 or something like that. I think um, for the rest of the game and they ended up winning it pretty handily again, held Lamar in check nine carries 66 yards. Um, but it was Baker Mayfield 20 for 30 for three forty two, one of his best games of the season. And Nick Chubb ran for one sixty five on the ground. So the solution seems to be, um, rack up a lot of yards and a lot of points as quickly as humanly possible and then force them to try to play catch-up, as you were noting. Um, the the only real problem with looking at their two losses is that those, is that those losses feel like forever ago, um, and they've won you know six in a row since then in a pretty candy fashion from here on out. Um, but it, at least it can be said uh, they can be beat, and they can be beat by teams that probably are not better than them, uh, at least when we're talking about the Browns. Um, and this is sort sort of a, a an interesting test. They certainly put a pounding on the Patriots a couple of weeks ago, and that is uh, concerning, uh, considering they're quote unquote the best defense in the NFL. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and roll right into the prediction section of the of this uh, of the podcast as we uh, start to wrap it up. Um, I do think this is a different defense than the Ravens have seen this year, um, but I also know the 49ers defense has played better against more quote-unquote traditional quarterbacks this season than they have against the elusive ones and Lamar Jackson is the the biggest the most elusive quarterback of the elusive quarterbacks in the NFL um that much I know uh and his problem is is that he's different from Kyler and Russell Wilson in that they are more or less still past first quarterbacks who might throw in some runs every once in a while with Lamar Jackson he gets the ball and you don't know what's going to, what's going to happen. Is he going to run? Is he going to pass? We don't know. Um, and so that, that multiplicity of the running game and the multiplicity, multiplicity of where the ball could go can make a really crazy, uh, 
for a difficult and crazy situation. Uh, add on top of that, and I know we're we're still several days out, and so a lot could change on this. But apparently, the weather is supposed to be pretty bad, like it was uh, against the Washington Redskins a couple of weeks ago. Uh, right now, and as I checked this, the weather report a couple hours ago, Baltimore's uh, uh, forecast is eighty percent chance of rain with a high of forty eight. <laughs> so that'll be nice and uh, slippery and, and, and slidey. And, uh, you know, that could be an equalizer as it was during the Redskins game. But um, the problem is, is that you kind of think in that situation, the Ravens' ability to run would help them out a little bit more. Uh, so we'll just have to see. It, so it'll be, as you say, imperative for the 49ers to get up early and to score as quickly and as much as they can um, and really control the game as much as they possibly can if they want to win. However, um, I'm going to pull a Niner Noise podcast first, and I'm going to say uh, that we always know this is going to be a tough stretch. Uh, after last week, I feel a lot better about next week's game. This one, I just think there's just too many uh, variables coming into play. I think it's going to be a closer game than the Ravens have played in a long time, uh, but I think the Ravens are going to win this game. I think it's going to be something in the neighborhood of like 24-20. Could be even lower, especially if the weather uh, doesn't cooperate. So something like, you know, it could be like a 16-13 game or a 16-10 or something crazy like that. Uh, But I think, unfortunately, the 49ers might find themselves on the losing end in this one. Hmm. Well, I don't. I don't really think I like that. I don't like it either. But I don't want to be a, like a, the most major homer on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a winnable football game. It just. It really depends on how it starts out. Right, and it, it just doesn't. I, for me, the matchup is is a bad one. The four, what the 49ers do well versus what the Ravens do well is not, it, or what the 49ers are are struggle with versus what the Ravens do well offensively is. Worry, worrying me. That's all. Yeah, it's a bad match on defense for the Niners, and I definitely agree with that. It's a good thing that's a younger quarterback, uh, you know, who gets emotional, pumped up, down. You know, some maybe they can play that in, into a positive in some capacity. But man, I don't know. Twenty-four. Say twenty-four twenty. Is that what you said? Oof, man, I don't know. Yeah, twenty-four twenty. I think we might just have to like kick you off this podcast temporarily, just for the rest of the day, so you can go make uh, make you know, turkeys or whatever you need to do. So, and I can just go on and on uh, okay. and then you not yell at me. Um, because <laughs> I think that we're, we're just going to give you a, a little bit of a timeout here for that, that prediction, because even though I totally agree with you that, you know, you put a gun to my head, please don't do that, that the Ravens are more likely to win this game than the 49ers. I will not. And I will not predict a Ravens victory. I will be a homer and I'll admit it to, to being that. And you have to find out uh, exactly what I find out, find the score to be. But yeah, I, I think we're going to have to kick it off. So I'm making a executive decision here, even though I am not an ex- executive, but I'll pretend to be one. But um, I know that you know that turkey can cook itself. So <laughs> you go and have a ha- happy Thanksgiving, and I will enjoy talking about stats that maybe uh, the listeners want to listen to, and maybe they don't. But I'm going to talk about them, and it's going to be great, and I'm not going to yell about you. So, <laughs> so we're going to make this happen. So. Yeah, it's been real. Um, hopefully, you'll take this time to think about predicting a score. Where That's fair. Lose, lose, uh, which, you know, whatever. whatever. It's, it's, it's a holiday season, so I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm, it's, it's, I still love you in, in that platonic way. So, <laughs> you're just, just so disappointed. You have a good Thanksgiving. You get out of here, and Niner fans stay, because we you know, we're just getting into it right now. 
Okay. I've been officially notified by security that Robert has been escorted from the building without incident to serve his one-week Thanksgiving suspension, which isn't appealable because I said so, and because I am firm, but fair. So fair that I will try not to make fun of him when he is not here to defend himself, but can't promise that I will effectively do so because I know it will be quite challenging. Although we now lack any parental supervision, I'm going to finish this episode short and sweet, mostly because Robert's probably listening to this episode of the pod while he's cooking in the kitchen, wearing nothing but a feast mode apron, since he's obviously a secret Seattle Seahawks fan. And for any of the regular pod listeners, is it really that secret? I mean, come on. Even if he has a monthly subscription to Russell Wilson's magic bubble water, it's all about safety first here on the pod. Because I recognize the very valuable service that Robert provides to the pod, most of which is keeping me somewhat in line without quitting every week, which is always impressive and sometimes quite surprising. So I would do everything in my power to make this as quick as possible so we can keep him healthy and ready for action next week. <laughs> okay, this will be it, I promise, or I hope. For anyone on a long holiday drive for Thanksgiving who simply needs more of the Niner Noise podcast, because I know I do, like an hour is like nowhere even near enough. I listen to it like four or five times. Since I'm in the holiday spirit, if you need more of the pod and you need to talk more 49er football, just DM me on Twitter, CJ Wilson, you know it, and I will send you Robert's personal cell phone number. Personal cell phone number, which is further proof that the Nine Noise podcast is the pod of the people. We are the pod of the faithful. Well, unofficially, because I'm pretty sure the Fortnite's trademarked that, and I don't want to get sued. Anyway, where else are you going to get that? What other Fortnite's podcast is going to hand out host's personal cell phone numbers? I mean, do you see Brian Peacock handing out his personal cell phone number? No, of course not, because then he's going to have like everyone who's downloaded his podcast with three million times in the last year and suddenly everybody hitting him up on a saturday morning asking what his favorite pizza place is by the way thanks a lot that was a great recommendation i really do appreciate that and speaking of that go ahead onto your favorite podcast platform or podcast app and subscribe to this podcast because you love us or you hate us or or you simply feel bad for robert and what he has to endure with every week either either way it's i really don't care just please subscribe and then Subscribe to Peacock's 49ers podcast and his NFL podcast because, which honestly, you probably already are doing that. But if you're not, I mean, just get on, get on with this guy now because he's one of the hardest working guys in the biz. He's doing 10 of these a week, five on the Niners and they're in depth and then five on the rest of the NFL, along with a full-time job and a family. Plus he really knows his stuff from 49ers to NFL to the draft to fantasy and he has a personality and voice for radio, plus the production skills. So he's the full deal. And he's just a great guy. I, just, like, I can't say anything negative about him. He's just a really good dude. And he's a guy who's going to be a household name sooner rather than later. So just get on board now. First, get on us, because you love us. And then you know, get on Brian, because he, he's definitely a good dude. And he does give very good pizza recommendations. And see what happens when my co-host gets suspended. Suddenly I start promoting other Niner podcasts. But that is one thing I've always appreciated about this industry, particularly when it comes to the 49ers. Everyone, well, almost everyone, gets along. And all the top writers write for multiple sites. 
and like try to name me a Niner pod where a host hasn't been a guest, regular or otherwise, on another prominent podcast. I mean, we just had Ian Williams on, and we have a few more analysts in the works, and even our own Peter Panacee just did a spot on KMBR yesterday, and he's yet to even make his first Niner Noise podcast appearance. So there's lots of lots of love all around in Ireland. Back to the podcast and my recently suspended co-host, Robert and I. You know, along with bringing you breaking news and hardcore analysis each and every week, we try to have fun with it and go back and forth and that whole shtick, or at least that's what I do. He might hate me for all I know. I'm not really sure, but at least I, I know that he is a quality guy. And being that quality guy, I know that he will appreciate you calling him when I give you his number. But it's very important. Don't text him because he, he's very popular. And he isn't very good about responding to texts promptly. So he's a guy who loves football, especially 49ers, and he really knows the game of football and just loves talking about Niners and football with fans of the team and the sport in general. But you really have to call him. So no texting, just calling. And don't worry about him being an East Coast guy. You can hit him up day or night, anytime. Honestly, like later the better. I really don't know if the guy sleeps. I mean, it's as if he always awake, just eating and breathing NFL football in the Niners. It's crazy. So, Robert, just want you to know that I forgive you for your prediction and discretion. And I appreciate the fact that you are taking your punishment in stride and haven't appealed to um, any higher courts, a la Tom Brady. So I offer you this Thanksgiving gift as a token of my appreciation for you having to deal with me each and every week on the Nine Noise Podcast. All right, folks, it is time to get down to business and close out this pod. And our final key order of business is the game prediction, where I will not make the same mistake as my apron-clad co-host did. And in doing so, I'll be forced to throw out everything my head is telling me and instead go with my heart, which generally is a horrible idea. But with a little assistance from the gambler's fallacy, I think that the 49ers can pull out a victory in this game on Sunday. And here's why. So for the backstory, as many of you know, I'm a D.C. area native and after studying in Baltimore, returned to the D.C. area after college. So I have had the opportunity, but not necessarily the pleasure, of seeing the Ravens play in person on five occasions. And Baltimore was victorious each time. Beginning in 2003, I was treated to a fantastic 44-6 thrashing in quarterback Jeff Garcia's second-worst game as an NFL starter, and essentially the beginning of the end of his tenure in San Francisco. 2011, attended the Thanksgiving Harbowl, which was actually a lot of fun, but in the end, the 49ers were again unsuccessful. And then there was Super Bowl forty-seven, which was an amazing experience, especially the fact that it was in New Orleans, but it had an obvious tragic ending. And perhaps the most tragic part of it, from a financial standpoint, is from now on for the rest of my life, not if, but when the 49ers make it to the big game, I don't have a choice. I have to go. If only to experience the exact opposite feeling I had when the stadium released the purple confetti once the game was over. So, Niners Super Bowl, I'm going. 
wherever it is, I'm in. Yeah, that's fine. I'll just uh, remortgage my house or sell a kidney or reignite my life model career, whatever it takes. Just get me back to the Super Bowl Niners. That's all I ask. The following two games had far less meaning than the previous three. In 2014, the 49ers managed just a field goal in a preseason loss. Later that year, when I was in Tampa for a wedding, a friend of mine was kind enough to give me last-minute tickets to a Ravens game at Ray J. Uh, she knew I was a big NFL fan, and, and the Niners were playing on the following night. Well, I got there near the end of the first quarter, and Baltimore was already up 28 to nothing. So it was quite the blowout, but the pirate ship was pretty cool. So in summary, I'm very bad luck, but that bad luck ends on Sunday. As for the other negatives, and there are many, the 49ers are the first team in the NFL since 2007 to have a 10-1 record, yet find themselves underdogs in a game. Not good, obviously. So when the first lines opened up on Monday prior to the Baltimore beatdown of the Rams, they came in at four, four and a half Baltimore with a 46 over-under. But over the next 24 hours, the line jumped very quickly to Baltimore by six. And 65% of the bets have come in on the Niners side. So there's that negative line movement that we talk about that we certainly don't like. Oh, and before I forget, for the guy who asked how to calculate implied team totals, it's not very difficult. You just cut the over-under and the line in half, and then you split the line on each side of that first number. So in this case, our over-under is 46, half that's 23, line is 6, half that is 3, so 23 minus 3, 23 plus 3. 26 to 20 is the projected final score. But of course, we're having none of that. One item that's neither negative or positive, but is something of note, is 86 of the bets have come in on the over, but yet it has not budged. So... Perhaps Vegas does think that the weather, which is supposed to be fairly inclement, will have somewhat of an effect on the game and keep the score a little bit more manageable. So on to the good, which is an extremely short section. The Ravens played on Monday night, so they're playing on one less day rest. But unfortunately, San Francisco has to travel across the country, and then they'll have to do it again the following week. So I guess that's good. Either way, not a lot to choose from, so that's what we get. Which brings us to our final section, which I believe to be appropriately titled Absurd Justification. And honestly, a lot of this is in jest. I mean, the 49ers and the Ravens are not dissimilar, either in talent level or overall odds of winning this game. I mean, the ball could bounce a different way, and... And that could definitely be the determining factor in this contest. But I came up with two. The first, number one, I'm due. Because I'm definitely due. As I'm staring sadly into my Super Bowl program, wondering what it could have been. I feel like just a regular season win compared to what I had to go through after this loss is not too much for me to ask from the football gods. So absurd justification number one, I'm due. Gambler's fallacy for the win. Number two, also Super Bowl related, Super Bowl 47 payback. So 
49ers were four-point favorites going into the Super Bowl, yet the Ravens won by three points. So Vegas missed by seven. On Sunday, Baltimore Super by six. So I think it's perfect time for a little bit of Vegas payback, particularly with the lack of respect that we're getting, which does extend to the odds makers after listening to a couple of them justify their lines earlier in the week. Last week, I predicted a 24-23 to victory with my man Chase as the MVP. The only problem was I was a week off. Sunday afternoon, away game. The Niners are likely to start off the ball against a very hostile Baltimore crowd. I think Shane's going to kick the game off by going pass-heavy, and the Niners are going to drive down the field for a score. Then the rain, which is currently scheduled to begin a bit after game time, but they really don't know until around 72 hours out. It's going to set in, which slows down both offensive attacks, including the Ravens' re-adoption and deep passing game versus Garoppolo's short passing game that ESPN hates. So, after a hard-fought back-and-forth battle, in the end, my man Chase, or maybe Gold, if he's back, kicks the game-winning 51-yarder, and the Niners pull off the 24-23 to victory, beating the spread by 7, identical to Vegas's previous Super Bowl line miss. So, do I get confetti? No. But what I do get is a very important victory, and one step closer to a home game for the 49ers in the 2019 playoffs. And that, my friends, was the 2019 Week 13 episode of the Niner Noise Podcast. I, and probably Robert as well, it's not like he'd be any more angry with me, so I'll just go ahead and speak for him, would like to wish you a safe and festive Thanksgiving week and weekend, and one that hopefully ends in a 49ers victory. So thank you for listening to the Nine Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. By now, you probably know the drill. We're on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, so please subscribe, tell a friend about the pod, and leave us a kind review. Or you could just leave us a really mean one, as long as it's funny. Just make sure it comes with five stars. In the meantime, let's get this W, baby. And we'll see you next week, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.